this is the official start of the 35th episode of the Undermind, and my guests today are Antiga. Hi, Antiga. Hey, hello. And Hopen. Hi. Hi, Janko. So, uh, the usual question as well, uh, what you've been up to lately? And uh, I realized that um, I was listening back to uh, some previous podcasts and we tend to focus on bot development only, which is fine because basically that's what it's about. But uh, you feel free to share some uh, maybe not that related personal goings on and stuff. Of course, uh, nothing, nothing that, uh, too personal, <laughs> just uh, maybe generally about development, software development and uh, stuff our audience can relate to. So let's start with you, Antiga. Uh, what's up? Well, um, I've been in talks with a possible sponsor for AIST. And all I can say at this point is there will be a prize and it'll be a good one. Um, for winning AIST. I can't talk about exactly what it is or what's occurring yet, but something is going to happen. <laughs> You've been forewarned. Something will happen eventually. That's good news. <laughs> it will have something likely to do with um, drones, autonomous drones, something like that. Um, um, I can't say any more than that <laughs> yet. I hope not the Zerg drones. Uh, and when is AIST actually? What's the uh, submission deadline? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here that I got to remember. Uh, it's in the spring. <laughs> okay. February, March. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so, uh, how uh, what is up with you? How it's going? Uh, yes. Um, I think things are going well. I, as you know, we did a uh, somewhat uh, the sort of a stream of bad quality, because just largely due to my uh, internet problem. But uh, I mean, following the line, I've been doing some code cleanup because over the time, um, I have uh, quite a few builds for them for my bot, and uh, I've I've been trying to um, clean up the code as as much as I can, and uh, you know, some a lot of times I've I've seen my code that uh, it does one thing at a place, then you know, after a few uh, like fifty or so lines and it does the same it does something again for the same build which uh, it just it just yeah, just uh, you know I, I didn't i didn't feel too good about this kind of uh, code so i try to clean it up and uh, make it more organized that way so that's one thing i've been uh, trying lately and also um um since i did the uh, long distance mining and uh the, re the sort of the reason I did this in the stream is because I, funnily enough, uh, the day before we did the stream, I realized my partner wasn't doing the long, long distance mining uh, properly, um, and uh, you know that's the that's one of the main reasons why I chose this topic. And uh, after the stream, I try to implement um, such 
technique or skill. I feel this is kind of thing that uh, it's not going to be very useful, but it's something that a bot should have um, if you wanted to you know, uh, be successful. Uh, and also, uh, but and I think the third aspect of uh, what I've been doing is the uh, you know, figuring out uh, what can be done better versus those uh, big processes. Because as you can see, the top 10 on the ladder currently, most of them are uh, Protoss, and uh, they still do not have good answers to their, um, you know, uh, a lot of their strategies. So I try to um, prove my bot a little bit in that respect. Aspect, yes. Yeah, it seems that we have a long ongoing Protoss domination on the SSCIT ladder. And we have analyzed a little bit this. There are many factors and uh, sample size is not good enough to draw any big conclusions from this. But I think uh, maybe maybe uh, some Protoss units benefit more from micro than other ones. Uh, but that's, that's alone not enough uh, to explain the win rate. But then again, sample size is, is maybe not, not enough. It has to do too with the number of <clears throat> very competitive authors involved in projects. You know, at, at any given time, there's really only like half a dozen different people or groups that are actually trying to win. And how those are divided among the races makes a big difference in what the ladder looks like. Um, and at the moment, a lot of those have been on the Protoss side of the fence lately. Oh yeah, and let's uh, not forget that there are uh, quite few Locutus forks and uh, yeah, some, like most of the bots are related to each other somehow. So we have some inbreeding as well. There's some, you know, of course, Locutus is related to Betastar, but you know, you'd be hard pressed to say that Purple Wave or Banana Brain or anything but independent. Similarly, McRave is also really an independent bot. You know, so Purple Wave, Banana Brave, Banana Brain, and McRave share almost no code with each other, um, or very, very little. Um, the only ones that really do are Lacutus, Betastar, and Dakin. Definitely, definitely. And uh, just a. Go back to the previous point, uh, but I wanted to talk about that. I think live recording the undermined, I long resisted, but it was a good idea because last time there was a considerable audience participation and I'm very glad for that. Like uh, oftentimes it is hard to, it would be uh, so good to uh, get some outside feedback because it's uh, two or three guests, uh, sometimes four. Um, maybe we don't have all the perspectives covered. Yeah, it's cool to see what questions people ask and things. Yeah, just just to note that. And uh, with that, uh, next topic I prepared is uh, the live coding sessions. I hope you, uh, you were a part of that. Like you said, uh, it was unfortunate because your internet was spotty, but and I am very annoyed about that because the code itself was very interesting and I, I 
loved that uh, what you achieved but uh, in general it seems that the coding streams are surprisingly popular uh, even uh, people who are not coders uh, were interested in uh, some of them and uh, I'd like to uh, especially talk about the one with Nightcat when we built a bot from scratch now I don't think that uh, this has such a big impact but maybe someone will decide to, to take up bot development after watching that we can hope it will certainly help uh, uh, if you you begin to do that i certainly really enjoy watching the streams i don't catch them all but um my favorite so far has been the banana brain one i found that the most interesting I don't have a favorite. I can't have a favorite. I must uh, ma ma maintain my famous impartiality to everything. But uh, yeah, that was a very good stream. The other one that I really liked a lot was the Bakudis one version mm -hmm. for his development environment for his second sort of bot um, is really sort of like a second generation development approach or maybe it's like a third or fourth gen uh, he's really got a great development environment with cherry viz and um, uh, that sort of setup that he allows him to test with and debug easily is really going to make for quick progress i think and i think that other bot authors um that are serious will may down the road adopt some of the approaches that he's pioneering with his development environment. I think it's really, really forward thinking what he's done there. Tools that we use to develop. Um, it's it's very, inter uh, very important to develop new ones, share them with the community and bring attention to them. Like Sheriff is, is a very good example. I haven't used it, but uh, not be because I have anything against it. I just uh, it just didn't occur, occur to me that uh, hey, this is some cool thing that uh, I want to use. But after seeing this, I will definitely integrate uh, that into my projects when I get to it. So uh, yeah, just just talk to each other and share stuff. Things that make development go quicker, take less time and make it easier to debug issues um, are helpful. You know, we spend a lot of time, uh, bot developers do, uh, trying to debug things that are hard to debug and having an environment that makes that easier is very helpful. We spend a lot of time solving the same problems. Yeah, we do. Yeah, one of the things I want to do is, uh, you might be aware that I started to write a, a book about BWAPI and publishing it on my website. One of the planned chapters uh, will be called uh, something like common solutions to common problems. And uh, what I would like to achieve here is uh, that you don't have to wrestle as much with BWAPI itself. Like, do you want a basic mining algorithm? Here you go. Do you want a basic map analysis algorithm? Here you go. The goal is not to have the best of them, but uh, to somewhat level the playing field if you're entering this this uh, one um, a little bit later. And especially if you want to do something like 
okay, only new bots uh, allowed in this tournament, but you, you can start from a certain baseline because um, a bot that is trying to uh, mine more efficiently does not make for an entertaining uh, watch. <laughs> yeah, and we spend a lot of time on things like that. Um, I think that uh, you're probably familiar. I'm trying to remember who wrote it. I have it bookmarked. Uh, there's the common BW API bugs and issues word doc that's been floating around for years now. Um, and some of the common problems that are encountered are addressed in there and um, may make for good material for inclusion in a common issues list. Um, a really good example is how extractors work um, with Zerg is a really common crash point for a lot of new authors. The famous uh, shared Google document of dance uh, called, you know, unusual unit transitions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's some weird, really weird stuff that goes on when you try and morph an extractor as Zerg. <laughs> and then another thing is what you do with an extractor that dies um, is another problem. Yeah. It is unusual BW unit transitions. I almost got it right, but yes, I have it bookmarked as well. And yes, I intend to document such stuff in, in the book eventually, but it is, it is a huge undertaking. Any feedback or addition to the topics so far? Um, well, just a little thing. Uh, when I started the fresh meat, I, I just feel the need. Well, so I try to, uh, uh, you know, find the, try something i was hoping to do something simple for example the uh, um, finding the base um, for example the natural or the uh, the third but then i surrendered uh, because it's just so much easier with the uh, bwe man or um, and uh, bweb uh, because you know oftentimes we don't want to reinvent the wheel uh, if there if there are you know available uh, libraries um, yeah, so I, I fully appreciate um, the existence of such libraries and uh, it just uh, speed up things quite a bit for, uh, for us to our developers. I have something else related to that, but uh, a little bit later. And uh, yeah, uh, speaking of SSEIT, the actual tournament deadline is looming closer. I think it's in early December. I uh, don't know from top of the, my head, but yeah, it's it's not too far, and I'm uh, really wondering what kind of stuff we will see. Um, I was uh, looking at the bot, bot uploads, and the popular bots are not uh, not refreshed as often lately. But uh, maybe that's just uh, just how it is, not a trend. I think everyone is holding a little back. Yeah, that's normal for tournaments, you know, the, the top competitors release on the tournament deadlines and then kind of, they might do a couple test updates after tournament to test some weird funky stuff, but then they, they always hold back something for the tournament season. They don't want to show all their cards immediately. Um, that's normal. Yeah, that's how it should be. Uh, we always like to have surprises and also Crazio uh, uploaded his Terran bot 
and it's on the top of the ladder, although the win rate is lower than uh, Locutus, the LO rating is higher still. So uh, it's nice to see him back, and uh, yeah, it produces quite uh, good games, I think. Yeah, his bot is so adjustable on so many different ways as far as attack timings and pre-building units independent of the build orders of which he has like 25 a matchup um, that uh, oftentimes when new bots come on the ladder if they beat him for a couple days he just uh, locally does training and uploads new learning files and uh, he's ahead again so he's not an easy opponent um, and you know the re-upload of um, Saida under the name Adias um, um, made it so he lost a pair of games, but then he just had to go back and do his retraining against uh, side of opponents, and he's back on top again, uh, winning in that matchup. Have you personally played against Crazy lately? I have. Uh, he wasn't terribly happy about it because I four-pilled him like 30 games in a row. I had a request about... Um, Every about, every about a year, somebody asked me, you know, just, can you still kill the number one bot in the ladder with only a four pool? And people don't tend to believe me when I tell them yes. <laughs> um, and so that's probably the third or fourth time I've done that. I sat down and just four pooled uh, Crazyo for a couple of evenings on stream. Um, and yep, it still is as of about two weeks ago. Um, it loses every time to four pull if you control it well. Um, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't know that. I, I'm ashamed, but I didn't re uh, really watch your uh, streams uh, lately. No, it's all right. I mean, it's just an easy thing to do. Um, you know, but. But people get so interested in, you know, there's so much doubt that this is possible, that you can still four pull in 2019, the top bottom ladder and be really successful at it. Um, that people are like, no way, you can't do that, that's impossible. Um, no, it, there's a lot that is not being done on the micro and control side of bot development. Um, most, very few bots have any type of real path. Uh, they don't explore around bases or exits or entrances or really any of that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, it's, things are still exploitable. There are a ton of stuff uh, still needs to be done. And, uh, there is a development meta game, so to speak, that, Maybe pathfinding is too much effort for too little gain at this stage. Although who knows, as as you said, maybe a well-executed four-pool bot could dominate the ladder for a while. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, it's a lot of work, and also it's very computationally expensive to do collisions for all of your units and calculate every frame. Um, it's not just a um, a programming problem, it's also a performance problem. Um, 
as unit sizes go up, it kind of becomes more and more intensive to have that as uh, an active tool. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, I'm quite familiar with that side of things. Uh, but it's it's uh, by no means impossible. I think that uh, sticks a bite keeper spot is showing. You know, it, it's a jump from like eightieth place to being the top zerg in a week, <laughs> with a whole bunch of different improvements, but new build orders. But he has some really cool micro unit stuff going on in there, and his uh, new sort of custom combat simulator that's unique to him. Um, you know, he's gone from like a 25% win rate on average to like an 85% win rate on average in a week. <laughs> so that's very enjoyable to see. And I think he's on the right track and he's only running one build in all three matchups doing that and having that high of a win rate, uh, which is really fascinating. So he's spending all of his time, not on builds, but on micro and control and perfection of technique. Um, which is um, makes it what he's working on there a little bit unique compared to many other projects. Yeah, it's surprising that uh, Sticks even managed to get some few wings off of uh, Chris Hill. Um, I think it's, uh, it had something to do with some flaws in, in Chris Hill. For example, the wall is not uh, circling tight. Or in another game, um, the lanes just... Uh, ran by the bunker and uh, killed the workers. So it's just almost a straight loss for Crazy O. Um, so yeah, um, there is some sort of luck um, there, but I, I, <clears throat> but I definitely uh, was impressed by how much progress Dix has made so far in terms of uh, its ELO standing and also the, the good stuff that the author, Bitkeeper, uh, put in, in his spot. Yeah, cool. it looks like from his posting, um, he's using JBW API. Um, he's also using his own custom uh, ASS simulator, <laughs> his nickname, ASS. Um, and he's using um, some stuff uh, called JTS, which I'm not very familiar with. Um, and uh, he's also, like Lacutus has done, he's got a Cherry Viz working for development for him. Uh, he kind of took a page out of what we just talked about. Um, so he's using JS Onitor and uh, Z. STDlib um, as well, so it's it's interesting. So speaking of the SSAIT tournament again, um, I'm curious how many new participants we will see. I was thinking about this, and I'd like to reiterate my earlier analysis. Uh, I've been, I think, mentioned that I categorized the participant into in SSAIT into a broad uh, outline of groups and uh, yeah the the one prominent ones is university students uh, which seems to have a fire and forget mentality most of them just do a thesis then move on some of them stay but most don't and uh, if you remember i mentioned this to dave churchill and 
we concluded that there isn't too much we can do about that. I don't know what uh, what's your stance on that. I'm not wholly in the know of what classes are going on right now. Um, I would assume Dave's got a class with undergrads and stuff, uh, maybe some master students. Um, but I'm not sure which universities are doing classes for this fall and if any of them are requiring submission. You know, that's totally a separate thing, you know, whether they have to make one for the class and then also um, if they are required to be submitted to the tournament. You know, the Student StarCraft AI tournament is a student-focused tournament, um, and there's extra prizes available there for to the students and first-time comers. So um, it should be interesting um, how that turns out. I just don't know enough about uh, what's currently going on on that side of the academic stuff at the moment. Maybe we should in general again uh, contact more universities about this i don't know if that would be uh, a worthwhile endeavor i've thought about doing it here locally but i'm still up in the air i'm a little busy at the moment but maybe next year we'll see <laughs> okay so in this case um we have Alpha Star, Alpha Star's hype and the whole SC2 uh, scene uh, a little bit bringing to uh, this, bringing attention to this. But I think uh, in this particular case, this works against us because Brood War is not really uh, a game that uh, that is uh, current and hyped that much. Uh, mostly a little bit older uh, people. Uh, play it and i would reckon that a um, lot of sc2's player base is younger than brood war itself that's not to comment on them or the quality of them just a statement and uh, it is understandable that they don't want to uh, play a, an elegant game from a more civilized age so about universities i really don't know i don't even know how to uh, begin to do that because uh, academics have a way of communicating with the outside world and and uh, with each other and uh, that i'm not familiar with if you ever try to uh, reach a professor uh, outside uh, from from uh, the university you have uh, noticed this can be hard some are also very responsive though um I've asked, you know, professors to give me copies of papers that I would otherwise have to pay for, um, and they tend to be very acclimating for things like that. Um, 80, 90% of them will send you a copy for free, right, if you contact them directly. So, um, you know, there are some difficulties under a lot of stress with universities and the politics that go on there and things like that, but I think that, you know, most people are professors because they want to do something to help <laughs> and help other people you know if they're purely self-interested they probably wouldn't be involved in that profession so yeah and i don't want to generalize or or not uh, or say that uh, this this wouldn't be worth it i, I think uh, shooting off a few emails might uh, be good so uh Going on with my analysis, uh, the second group is university researchers who have worked on bots. And uh, the problem is here, uh, I feel that most of the researchers are rather uh, work um, or 
they rather work on uh, infrastructure and stuff that lets them to uh, lets them do their research and they're not really uh, competitive or interested in in uh, being a very competitive uh, entity on the ladder uh, for a long time and, uh, and uh, that's fine yeah and that's totally understandable given their incentive model you know it's all about writing papers and getting grant money and um, teaching classes and nowhere in that model is winning. <laughs> so um, it's understandable. Oh yeah. Uh, it's kind of <clears throat> also, I think my situation is kind of similar to um, the, the situations the students um, are possibly in because for countless times people have asked me, um, so wh why are we doing this uh, StarCraft AI as, as your day job? Um, what what kind of end product are you trying to come up with? And uh, why, why would that benefit the company? Uh, well, I mean, so as I said, uh, like the students, um, so I'm more interested in uh, getting some published pub publication done uh, and writing some papers and, well, writing as many papers as I can, uh, but I'm not trying to, you know, for the sake of uh, writing paper, just to write papers, but I also want some quality research uh, being done. So it's kind of my uh, um, kind of comments on, on, on this topic. Oh, it, yeah, it's interesting. It also brings up something else. Um, about two years ago, when Archcraft first came out, I guess, or was first released, there was some discussion about creating a brood war machine learning base that could be used for more sort of um, pure AI development than um, uh, just a set of if statements, which is what we do a lot nowadays. Um, but the idea was to um, create basically a base with as little other things in it as possible that people could use it as a way to compare different algorithms to each other and learning rates to try and optimize towards specific targets. So say if you have a map and you want to uh, do the amount of time to mine out on the map as the end goal on a specific map, and then you want to use uh, the, basically a zero start uh, machine learning models of different types and algorithms to see how quickly you can achieve that goal in the least number of cycles. Um, but that project um, sort of fell apart because there wasn't really anyone to collaborate with on doing it. And there's some technical difficulties in making it work. So just putting it out there that if there are academics or researchers that are interested in collaborating to create that base, um, I'm very interested in uh, helping make that possible. Yeah, and uh, this brings us the question how to uh, maybe monetize this scene a little bit. Maybe monetize is not the best word, but I think uh, at some uh, point in time money has to enter the 
the the cycle because servers cost money and and people ti people's times are not free and i seen um, that i think that's the big next step that somehow uh, get some people paid to uh, work on this we've talked about this a little bit on previous podcasts um well, the bit that i just mentioned is more about getting grant money for different projects and universities by helping provide a base that can be used for development and there's that whole academic funding grant world is more based around uh, writing papers and stuff like we've been talking about. Now, there's also the whole corporate world, which has to do a lot more to do with sponsorship and teams and things like that. Um, I think I said as much on a previous podcast, but I think that it's really appealing to if a small you know, AI research company or something like this sponsors an individual bot. I get some good press. They get to get their name out there that they're sponsoring um, a project, and I think there's opportunities there to almost view individual bots less like um, programming projects and more like sports teams. Definitely, definitely, and that's that's one of my categories, like the company bots, and uh, this is the largest source of of support for for this community or potentially the largest source i i should say uh, but i absolutely have no idea how to entice more companies to participate uh, and uh, maybe the tournament format is not the most appealing to them that's that's all i could gather maybe maybe not um tournaments are more based around number of eyeballs watching and um pay-click ad conversion and all that fun stuff. But I think there's an opportunity for individual bot authors. I tried to talk McGrave a while ago into you know, just having like a little development blog and selling like t-shirts and mugs and, you know, stuff like that, that, um, you know, people could use to support his bot and his development project. And, you know, the more income that he has from that, you know, the more motivation he has to work on different aspects. And people could even put out, you know, the bug bounty program is a really interesting thing for development. If people want to see a specific feature, they can donate towards it and he'll work on it. Um, but I don't, I haven't really seen an author. I mean, you've done with the Undermine podcast uh, with Undermine and main computer do things you sort of have a blog and you're starting to do some merchandising and things like that but i think there's opportunities for individual bots to do that sort of thing as well speaking of that this is time for our announcement which is <laughs> thank you for very well uh presenting our introduction to this topic uh yeah as as uh, you might have known i started a patreon it's patreon slash mcdt and uh, i'd like to uh, give a huge thanks to my very first patron bruce nielsen the author of locutus uh, he is the first person to place his trust into me and uh, support the the site and everything i do all the proceeds are going to uh, well paying web hosting first of all and uh, well everything i do uh, the podcast the ai news segment the coding streams and much more uh, so uh, please consider doing and uh, giving just even just one dollar if you can uh, and with that uh, let's return to the podcast itself 
so um, yeah, you you uh, that was a perfect segueing into this, and I wanted to do this somewhere somewhere in the middle of the podcast, if you don't mind. Uh, where were we? Uh, yeah, so my create categories, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, we talked about this in the podcast, and I'm aware, and I'm reiterating some of my earlier points, and that's completely intentional, and I think it's beneficial, because uh, things develop, and uh, we change, and we might have new thoughts on this, and this is something interesting, and I think we should keep this uh, conversation in the spotlight. So, the last... uh, category I listed myself are crazy hobbies, crazy in the best uh, sense of the word. Basically, uh, hobbies developers uh, are the most competitive and the best ranking on the ladder. I mean, the top three uh, bots are uh, all hobbyists, crazy or locutus purple wave who do this in their spare time. And uh, with that, it's it's hard to uh, give a good monetary reward uh, to many people because yeah the average developer salary is, is probably better than that if you just count the hourly rate yeah for most people it's a you know it's a hobby you know probably 70 80 percent of the people are hobbyists there's a couple of businesses that are involved um, and uh, there's some academia academics of various levels um, involved as well, but you know, the hobbyists are the vast majority. And it's interesting to think about uh, that uh, maybe the data the various bots generate could be valuable. I think uh, bot replays uh, are, are uh, well, you can make a lot of them in a short amount of time, but if someone figures out how to analyze them, uh, for some independent learning algorithm, they become uh, become much more valuable. Imagine if you only need your the replays of your opponent to analyze what what he does and what he doesn't uh, does not do. So um, this kind of leads on to another topic, and I'm not sure if this has been discussed on the podcast, but there have been a few reach outs from the professional StarCraft Boudoir community or what's left of it really um, about the possibility of using bots as practice partners um, because there's some issues with using humans as practice partners. One, they're expensive. Two, they have loose lips (laughs) um, for uh, professional uh, practice and they get bored with doing the same thing over and over again. So I think that there's an opportunity for a couple of these higher end bots, if they so wished, to act as consultants to professional players, where the professional player or a professional team requests that they get four pooled on the specific map in the specific method, um, you know, 20 times, and they want to practice against that and be able to do that whenever they want. Um, there's an opportunity to do something like that down the road, I think. Um, similarly, uh, other types of really custom sorts of build older practice partner type things um, that a professional will want to practice against, but not necessarily give on that he's practicing against that. And also where the professional player can 
run specific builds versus specific responses and kind of test, feel out how those would function. Um, I think it's pretty interesting. And it's something that really hasn't been explored too much. Um, uh, Motaz has sort of his um, AI coach system, but that's different than a, a custom tailored bot that uh, is configured as a consultant to a professional player. And uh, you are reading my mind, uh, and uh, this is this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's not ignore the chat. Uh, Alessander just joined, uh, and he says that the audio is very quiet. I uh, well hope that's only a problem for him, uh, but uh, I will I will check that out. And also, Jan Chassul asked that uh, what do we think about the uh, presentation of, from the SEDA team when they mentioned the future and current goals of the project and the collaboration that they have in the academic side from universities of South Korea and Hong Kong. I myself didn't see that presentation, so I can't uh, comment on that. Have you? I, I have. I really enjoyed it. I think it's really very interesting. You know, there's sort of a language barrier involved a lot between the English-speaking academic competitive community and the South Korea one, unfortunately. Um, and that kind of impedes information going either way, um, which makes it, things happen. Oftentimes, uh, on the English-speaking Discord, we don't see as much as of what's occurring um, on the South Korea side of things. Um, you know, maybe there's a student or two a month that asks a question or something in English. Um, but other than that, we're not, uh, I think most of us are not involved in the day-to-day -day of what's occurring over there. Uh, yeah. And yet again, you, uh, you just uh, spoke about something I wanted to later, it literally in my show notes. <laughs> so uh, you are reading my mind. Mm. I think you're you're some kind of uh, ethical hacker. Uh, I'm beginning to wonder that you're not that ethical, and you're looking my at my screen right now. Hey, my lesser-known mentalism career might be showing. I'm just kidding. Oh, maybe maybe you're just psychic. That's okay. I accept that. So uh, where were we? Oh yeah, how uh, did you see and uh, maybe have an opinion on the say the presentation? Yes, yes, I, I did. Uh, whoops, uh, there's some echo. I I heard, but okay, now it's good. So I yes, I I did give a, a brief look. <coughs> excuse me, a brief look at their presentation. Um, I think their research is uh, pretty solid, um, and I was very impressed by um, how far they <coughs> excuse me uh, they achieved with their uh, with their reinforcement learning. Um, for example, the voucher. Um, the voucher micro, it's uh, it's learned. Um, so there are, for example, um, I think twelve directions a a voucher can go to at any time, and also it can decide to attack or um, or or um, do something else. So this is the action play action space, and uh, they train the um, train the voucher uh, in in different scenarios. Uh, one. I mean, one of them is pretty simple. It's just a big, big map with no terrain. Um, it's just a flat ground, and you can go pretty much anywhere you want. But also, they in other scenarios they have some obstacles uh, like buildings or terrains. So 
it, it made uh, the vultures um, made things uh, a bit difficult for the vultures to kite the circlings. Um, but yes, I, I was kind of impre quite impressed by uh, the research and uh, actually <clears throat> also aside from that, I also uh, ran a few games versus the uh, the ideas uh, with my bot and uh, I was kind of I was also quite uh, impressed by um, how much it it how quickly it can adapt to my bot's different strategies. For example, if if the um, if Matthias thought that my bot uh, rushed him, so in the next game, uh, it would uh, instantly delay his uh, uh, expo at natural. But uh, you know, for example, put on another factory to to fend off the early aggression, which was you know very impressive. I mean, it's very important, as, especially in a tournament, you need to um, react fast if you if you lost a game previously. Otherwise, you you just uh, um, keep losing games. So yeah, um, in general, I'm quite impressed by what they did there. And um, well, like I'm, I'm I'm hoping that they will return someday. Okay. Well, so it's interesting. Um, uh, we were looking at um, the binaries from Audius and comparing them to Sida and. A lot of the file hashes are identical, <laughs> um, but to my eye, there are things that are different, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, so I think that there's almost no changes between SIDA and ADS, except for perhaps in the machine learning file. Um, and that may be it that's changed, at least on the public version um, between the two. Yeah, all right. So before I forget, um, I wanted to uh, bring up and with Avastar, I kind of, kind of wanted to segue into this topic that uh, the man versus machine aspect. And uh, you are familiar that I've worked with this uh, a little bit in the past. And I'm not promising anything, but I'm, I'm returning to uh, working on this again. Uh, I have something in the background. It's a little bit different than I uh, originally imagined, but basically um, I had uh, some, some uh, I had time to think about this and I still on the opinion that uh, programmer support is one of the best ways to uh, maybe advertise this or maybe not programmer but uh, how do you how uh, what is the phrase that uh, gamers who are competitive gamers maybe so gamers who want to learn practice and be better and as, as you said uh, if you if i can practice against an opponent who consistently four pulls every time in the same way that that is invaluable so uh, with that in mind i'm working on the man versus machine cl client yet again and it is my uh, observation that gamers want convenience uh, and a pleasant play experience above all else and uh, you you have drop launcher you can set set up your stuff but uh, the average gamer will not do that he will see uh, the github url and get scared away by the source code files and even even if uh, if uh, often it is it is uh, some 
nonsense technical difficulty, you get a random error and you don't have anything to go on. So I intend to change that and have something that just works. Uh, well, that uh, let's hope that I can achieve that. And uh, what I feel is we as developers, usually uh, very highly skilled people uh, enter this field and they don't don't uh, really want or no, like uh, user friendliness is not necessarily a priority for them. Uh, and you, you end user friendliness, not developer friendliness, because most of the tools I saw are very handy and good to use as a developer, but maybe not as a user. So yeah, uh, let's make something that is easy to use and maybe pleasant to use as well. That reminds, reminds me that I never sent you that document that you asked for. I will do that after. This. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. So yeah, um, and with man and machine, uh, uh, this is this is one of the uh, great uh, ways to promote uh, playing again, uh, promote these bots in because I uh, made a few posts in the Team Liquid forums and it seems to me that people are actually very interested in this. They just don't know how and they they don't don't want to learn to code or don't want to uh, do anything that that is really hard to set up. They they want uh, just to play and uh, in this uh, we are competing with gaming platforms like steam or butternet and it's it's not an easy thing it's it's really not yeah you gotta have an easy to use environment And, I uh, think I yep. think drop launcher is is very good and for this purpose, isn't it? Um, but I'm not sure if um, if there's any drawback uh, that people think. Well, I had an experience with a friend recently. Um, like I, when I described, uh, we set up drop launcher, did everything. Uh, it worked on my machine, and it didn't work on his, and we couldn't figure it out. And he's not technical, and like remotely figuring out it's very hard and I frankly I don't have the patience for it for, for a long time so what I uh, so uh, this is just I mean it's not acceptable for an average gamer uh, you might have some opinions on that you might think that gamers are spoiled but this is how it is yeah I can agree that you know drop launcher works really good for sort of people who are more technical or IT people or things like that. But um, having sent uh, drop launcher and setups to amateurs and low level professionals to play before, it almost ine inevitably ends up with an hour of me on a remote desktop to make it work <laughs> um, in their environment, so. And unless you're uh, someone like IBM or Oracle, you, can, you just can't get away with that. How, how is, um, are, are you going to do SSC AIT this fall, Hal? Um, well, so uh, sort of, um, I think the, the biggest reason that, uh, well, I, well, I've been thinking about whether to, uh, participate or not, uh, lately, um, the biggest reason is that, uh, I'm not entirely happy about the reason to, you know, uh, whoops, um, the reason to addition of, um, 
those uh, Lakuta's forks. Um, and uh, first of all, um, there's some rules on the SSCA IT page that's, that's saying uh, if, if you're a fork of uh, some other bot, then uh, you must acquire the you know, approval from the original author before you continue, before you can continue. But I don't think uh, any of these uh, forks can, uh, well, has has ever done so. And uh, it just set, uh, set, set me off and, um, I, and made me think that this tournament is not, well, as, as far as I can tell, not, you know, very well, uh, um, sort of organized because the rules are not entirely followed um, by some of the bots and uh, they're still there, um, you know, doing doing things. But on the other hand, I, I understand that um, I think a lot of people can argue that uh, we, we need to give them more time uh, before they before they can make some changes. I, I understand. I, I've also done something similar. My bot itself is also a fork of iron and uh, I spent quite some time, uh, uh, you know, improving it. But I, I mean, still uh, my point holds that the rules must be upheld. Otherwise, just, just don't create them. So with that, with the current situation, I'm still not sure if, uh, if I will partic participate. I will still prepare for it. Uh, Till the last moment, but um, things things can change, and uh, I'm not I cannot say hundred percent sure that I'll participate uh, in the in the coming tournament. Yeah, I understand. Um, I think SSCIT has gone through years of being pretty good at enforcing rules, and other years not as good. Um, Generally, though, the rules are not enforced very strictly until the tournaments actually start. So the ladders are sort of a free-for-all um, until the competitive season goes around and then everyone gets emails <laughs> and they start cracking down. And, you know, last year, probably half the field got disabled pre-tournament start um, for rule violations or... Um, uh, not wanting to compete or for whatever reason. Um, um, so it, it's interesting, you know, the, the rules that even though the rules say they're the same during the latter and during the competitive season, they're really not. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, perhaps the rules are only for the, uh, for the tournament of phase. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, like I said, I'll wait and see. Um, it's not my decision is not final yet. It's still a. Uh, it, it largely depends on what uh, what people do after the tournament starts, which is around the twentieth of December or maybe earlier this year. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's. Um, I understand this, but uh, I'll I'll just wait and see. What are your thoughts on torch up? I'm sorry, with the torch, by the pie torch, or, or, or the torch of tournament, uh, being sponsored by Sloth and their academic. Oh yeah, um, I'm I'm interested in that because it does not require open source, um, which is quite good for me because my company does not like 
open sourcing stuff. So I, I will consider it. Yes. Because mm -hmm. yeah, that would give you, you know, a second tournament that you can compete um, in during the year. So I, uh, that's good to hear that you, there's another opportunity there for you. Uh, yes, I'm aware of the, this tournament. I appreciate their effort. Um, it's, you know, it's a lot of effort to you know organize this uh, this event. Um, yeah, I would seriously consider uh, participating. In yeah, I will say that I think that their event, even though it's the first time it's being run um, externally to the public, um, it is well supported. It's tied to the um, uh, FOSDEM, which is the free open source, what is it? the free and open source developers something meeting in uh, Brussels in Belgium. Um, so it has a large conference behind it. It has professional people involved. Uh, the rule set was sent to me and some, almost all the other major tournament organizers for review and comment before being posted. Um, and I have a lot of faith that in Sloth that he will, um, uh, or Space Beam, uh, through the Space Beam community, that they'll do an expert level job with it. Um, so I have a lot of confidence there. That's uh, some uh, very promising news um, to hear. And uh, like I said, really appreciate uh, these people's effort in organizing such an event. And I hope more events like that um, can happen in the, in the, in the future. Yeah. Um, me too. You know, it's hard, it's hard to know in advance how things will turn out, but I have a pretty high level of confidence. You know, my, in my opinion, you know, aid is probably the most professionally run tournament of the year. And COG CIG is one is an example one that maybe is not run so well. <laughs> um, but, um, I think that this might, the torch up tournament may end up being, you know, kind of top three in prestige of tournaments over the long haul. So I think that that's uh, really appealing. Yeah, I think it is great that we have another tournament. Uh, let's have as many as we can. And uh, it's not like anything can go wrong. So what's the worst case scenario here? Yeah, and also the key thing is that this tournament supports multi-core and GPU and has native support for Linux containers, Torchref bots, Python, Lua, etc. So really kind of a special, unique aspect beyond what is normally possible. Um, um, from what I understand from their backend setup, um, they're basically using the largest AWS <laughs> CPU, GPU instance for the machines. So you're gonna have access to an unbelievable amount of resources in comparison to a tournament like SSCA AIT, which you know is eight-year-old CPUs, you know, a much more restricted environment. Um, so it really opens up some possibilities to do some things that have not been possible before for performance reasons. 
Yeah, and I was uh, talking uh, talking with Michelle about this, and uh, yeah, SSCIT is 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 very great, but it is not to be relied on uh, in these matters, and, and it's it's just an academic research project, so you can't uh, build on the infrastructure, and uh, yeah, you sh we shouldn't expect that from them, and uh, yeah, that's why I uh, set up my own servers uh, and they are ready to go and the, uh, when I figure out stuff. Yeah, and don't construe, that means nothing bad about SSC, AIT. That just means that, you know, they're an academic project, they're an older academic project. The state of their hardware is dependent on the donations and the academic support that they receive. Um, and, and it's just a little bit older of a system, but it's very reliable and has been used uh, for years, so and it does the job it was made for perfectly so yes it, it, it is nothing bad against SSCI tournament quite the contrary and it it does bring up a good point that developers should make write code that is not just um, pushes the boundaries but there's something to be said about efficiency and execution um, that SS CAIT really pushes the limits of being efficient with CPO resources in some ways. And that is a challenge to itself. Um, and I think, ironically, over time, um, actually the older state of their hardware and the limited resources that are provided provide their own sort of challenge that makes it unique. So, um, and it's very both academically and developmentally interesting, right? So um, uh, there are some real positive aspects there that are not intuitive. Absolutely. So uh, circling back a little bit to the man versus machine thing, uh, I was thinking about um, there was always this sentiment that, oh, we should wait for uh, remastered support, oh, we should wait for BW API 5. I think it's, it's the other way around. If we, we or more specifically me, uh, can develop a reliable man versus machine client, even with 1.16, that, uh, that gets used and known. Uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on it, uh, although help is always welcome. So I'm on it, then it will, it will spur the need and maybe speed up things. And we shouldn't just wait for someone else to do something. Uh, we should take charge. And I'm saying we, but this is, this is uh, my thoughts. I'm not, uh, uh, not saying anyone should do anything. I'm not in control of other, of other people's lives. So yeah, I, I think um, we should we should just take the initiative in in this and in the long run or maybe in in the not so long run i want to develop a competitive uh, man versus machine scene because i think that uh, that is something uh, there is an actual need for and uh, with um, yeah and that's it that is one thing uh, and uh, the practice aspect and just the PVE aspect that uh, you don't have to uh, play against some random random 12 year old uh, who is is toxic as hell uh, is is encouraging and yeah that's that's my goals these are my goals yeah it's good i'm just sort of you know there it's been so many years of 
kind of waiting for SCR to be official and what's going to happen with BMA API 5. And you know, there, um, I know that there are projects going on in the background, um, but I'm kind of staying outside of that whole world and letting those people do their thing and I'll kind of wait and see how it all turns out in the end. <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah, it nothing will happen until we uh, do something about it. It's it's kind of a uh, self-reinforcing loop. In some ways, but there are things happening. They're just not obvious to the surface. So yeah, of course. Cool. Nightcat is still on the BW API five project, as far as I understand. That hasn't changed. So. Yeah, I'm convinced that BW, uh, BWAPI 5 will will get done. That's I don't, don't think anyone should doubt that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, one other point is uh, recently I saw some bots by various Asian universities. Uh, and uh, I think it's great because we didn't really have any kind of uh, attention from from uh, that part of the world. And I would like to uh, somehow uh, maybe maybe get into uh, the uh, spotlight of uh, South Korea. But I know nothing about South Korea and I don't know if they consume English uh, language content uh, at all. So that might be a hard thing to do, but uh, if we want to get more attention, maybe that's uh, where we should go. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's... Uh... It's hard to see how it all turns out. Um, I think it would be good to have sort of a, um, a Korean speaking representative from the community that can help facilitate that interaction. Um, I, as far as I know, there hasn't been really anyone that's sort of stepped up to fill that role, uh, but it would be really nice if that existed. So if there's someone that's listening that's from the, uh, that speaks Korean really well and is maybe lives in South Korea or is involved in the university stuff over there. Um, it would be interesting being a sort of a collaborative access point for information. Um, I think that a lot could come of that. Yeah, definitely. And sadly, this is not something we can do by ourselves. I mean, if it's good, we can learn any language, but uh, I don't expect uh, any of us to learn South Korean. <laughs> well, well, Korean, I think the language is the same. Anyway, uh, uh, that's all the topics I had for today. Uh, let's uh, well answer any kind of questions, but I don't don't really see any questions in the chat that we haven't talked about. And uh, yeah, if you have something else, then let's talk about that. I was just a little bit curious for how what the how it's been. You know, you've been updating really regularly with your bot pretty much for most of the year, most of the summer. Um, what has that experience been like having such a regular development cycle? Um, so 
can you can you repeat the question again? Um, oh, so I've just been noticing with your bot on the ladder that you seem to update, you know, every couple of days, and you really have for almost six months now. Um, what's that experience been like having such regular updates and feedback and things like that on the ladder? Yeah, well, um, it's um, it's quite intensive in my opinion. Well, I mean, this. So my the cycle goes like this. So I I identify. So I I watch replays every day, and uh, oftentimes um, I spot some problems or even bugs or crashes, and I try to fix it and um, have a few simple testing. Then I upload. That sort of explains why I um, update it so frequently. Um, in some occasions, maybe a couple of times per day. Um, but but yes, it's it's quite intensive, and uh, I think that's. Uh, but but also this is uh, this just mostly my day job, so I have to. So that's that's what I do. Um, and I don't I don't feel like too pressured about it because I I, I like this uh, this pace a lot, um, and uh, I, I like you know getting things done and uh, resolving. You know, there's a problems, and that's that's what I've been doing. Not not just for the past six months. I think. Well, I think it's been like this for maybe a year or more than that. Um, but when I first started, it may be slow. I I didn't push as many updates as nowadays. It's mostly my uh, me studying the the code, um, Igor's code, and uh, you know, trying to get myself familiar with. Um, the the his his concepts is uh, what he wanted to do, but later on, uh, moving on to nowadays, um, it's more about you know not only about the fixing the problems, but also adding some new content. Uh, for example, I, I didn't mention this, but uh, I've been um, busy with uh, you know opponent strategy uh, identification, uh, which I think is pretty important. Uh, for uh, if you want to uh, be serious about the 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 bot the competition aspect, um, um, Iron already has some uh, strategy identifi identification uh, built in. For example, circling Rush or uh, for example Mass Hydra, that kind of thing. But uh, uh, but I don't think that's uh, comprehensive enough. For example, uh, what if a Protoss opponent is doing a fourteen nexus or uh, one gate fast expansion can can a bot, you know, be able to identify, um, not only be able to identify both strategies but also be able to identify the difference between the two because I think the the two strategies although they're somewhat similar but they're still different in some in some way. So and and the so in other words, um, if if you can. Be, uh, you can you can do that. Uh, be reliably uh, identify um, different strategies, strategies often similar ones. Then the reactions can be different too. Uh, for example, for uh, fourteen nexus, um, ironically, I, I saw a loss um, of Crasio versus uh, Foyang Risho uh, this morning uh, or Iyer, and it's a loss to fourteen fourteen nexus. 
because uh, the huge economical advantage gained from the 14 Nexus pretty much enabled the Protoss to just aim move uh, to the uh, turn base and win the game. So definitely something has to be done, otherwise you are... Uh, and something right uh, has to be done, otherwise you just... Uh, even for a number one bot, it, it's just really, really hard to, to come back from that point. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is my... Uh, sort of uh, reason the development or, or what I've been doing, the strategy identification, but also the the micro aspect of things, uh, which, which sort of uh, explains why I had to uh, update very frequently. Uh, not only did I want to see oh, if, if the new uh, micro caused some problems, but also I want to see um, how it fa fares with uh, different opponents and uh, different uh, opponents' builds or strategies and, uh, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, things that I can improve further. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, I, um, I would say this is a pretty good um, time for me because I, I think I... I become more and more passionate about the, this uh, this AI or bot development, and I feel my time is not enough. And uh, every day is uh, there's a, there's a lot to do, and, but it's it's a good thing. I'm bad opinion, and uh, yeah, I hope that uh, gives you some idea of uh, how my experience has been lately. Yeah, you know, I remember um, last year around this time. You know, the goal was to try and um, qualify for the SSCAT playoffs and to try and be a top 10 bot and uh, your bot's been a top 10 bot almost the whole year um so it's really been good um still is I was, yeah yeah and it's really good um I was going to ask about um short-term fixes versus long-term development um how you balance those internally so you know as you're maintaining it day-to-day how do you balance that versus the, the want to make larger changes and do bigger projects? Do you like do little things and replays and little fixes in the morning and then work on a big, bigger project in the afternoon? Or do you have a way that you divide it up somehow? Um, so um, my scheme sort of goes uh, like the following. I always assign pretty much the highest priority to the stuff that is uh, important and uh, at the same time emergent requires emergent uh, require quick response. For example, a crash or a, for example, a bug. For example, the command center floats try to tries to float to the natural, but there are some mines laid by the vultures, so it cannot land uh, and it will just stay there forever and cause you know big production freeze, which is, Bigger, both a pro big problem and also cause some frustration to me because it's just um, not not a pleasant scene to 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 perceive. Um, so so really, the the highest priority um, goes to things like this uh, important things and uh, things that may break down my bot. I, I'll try to fix those things as much uh, as as quickly as I can. But uh, my approach is that I only fix first for the specific build that uh, such problem is in, and I want to see, uh, I want to test it out if, uh, if 
first of all, uh, if my fix did solve the problem. And uh, second of all, um, I, I update the bot and uh, try to see if uh, if it if the because the latter uh, there are more games to be run uh, running uh, per day, so I can get a better sense of uh, whether the fix has been working. But eventually, I, I eventually the the fix will be will be extended to other builds as well uh, because I, I think some of the problems um, exist for a lot of builds other than rather than the one build that I observed it. Um, so, but the priority will go down as well because, you know, it, the fix is already there, but it's just like, uh, you know, extending the fix to other builds. But aside from this top priority thing, um, so next, the next priority will go to the uh, build order uh, development or new builds. Or the micro um, and uh, and also some sort of uh, research too. If if I found out there's something that I can I can write a paper out of, then um, the time will be uh, spent there too. Um, but in terms of bot development, yes, the next the next priority would be uh, builds and micro. And I think this is a more of a long term. They are more more of a long term. Uh, go uh, because uh, especially the micro um, for example the TBT tank micro it's I wouldn't say it can be like improved drastically in, in a short amount of time like days uh, well I doubt it because uh, yeah I mean it's just it's a tricky uh, area to to dive into so that's uh, my uh, where my secondary priority uh, goes to and then I don't know. Um, thirdly, uh, my time will go to the uh, uh, the replay analysis and uh, watching some pro uh, the games from the pros. Uh, there's some good casters too. So, I guess I mean setting setting priority is how I um, how I balance my my time uh, in terms of bot development. That's my short answer. Yeah, it's interesting. It's always fun to hear how people assign time and develop and work on the different aspects. It's very interesting to me. Um, something going back to the uh, strategy recognition system, I think that there's a consensus sort of among the top competitors that there's a real strong need for a library or a system for recognizing opponent build orders and openings. And I'm seeing that, you know, Purple Wave and Lacutus and McGrave and Banana Brain and you and Crazio are all sort of doing the same thing in parallel. Um, it makes me wonder if it would be better if there was a library that was created that was just a huge build order recognition system for opponents based on scouting data. Um, like a probability score assigned, and then people could do with that what they want. But I wonder if everybody's just repeating the same work. Um, um, I think I think that there are definitely some um, overlapping areas. For example, if if opponents to is uh, doing, so I think the reason is that there are some prevalent builds for each uh, for each matchup. For example, for Protoss, there are. Um, like I said before, the 14 Nexus or uh, 
maybe Fogate Goon versus uh, versus the Terran as a, as a rush. I mean, there are, there are some uh, certain popular builds and that people try to um, prepare for. Otherwise, uh, you run the risk of uh, losing. And that's especially painful when you when your bot uh, ranks very high on the ladder. Uh, but not to, not to not to ignore those uh, uh, mid one mid tier ones or the 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 bottom tier ones. But I, I think this is a universally uh, a, a important topic to tackle and uh, yes to your point i think there's there's need to um to develop such a library but i'm i'm just not sure um how we do that because you know um, for me as i said the company does not really like open sourcing so I, i'm not sure how to contribute to to such a project if if people other people also agree to to to, to collaborate on on this um, on this topic but yes um my stance is I, I'd love to and I fully I would fully support uh, the the construction of such a such a library but I'm just <laughs> I just don't know how exactly this can be done yeah it, what makes it more complicated is almost all the authors that are working on this problem they're writing in different languages. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like we, you know, it's ah, it's it complicated fast, um, and needs play in with the scouting system and all this. I will say that um, Purple Wave probably has the most advanced enemy opening recognition system, and that it's really worth a read for authors to take a look at that system, um, and how it operates. Um, it does a pretty good job a lot of the time. Um, this, there's two almost completely separate questions. One is what you recognize, and the second side is what you do with all that information. But uh, Purple Wave's recommendation system is pretty good, um, and I think it's worth a read for the other authors working on similar projects. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the tips. I think my system is kind of uh, in a very, very early, early stage of very uh, preliminary or very. <laughs> Like <laughs> very simple, for example, uh, it, mo a lot of it, uh, a lot of the of, of the things recognition is based on timings and uh, the opponent unit comp uh, count or composition, uh, and uh, it's also using some match numbers, uh, which are based on some past uh, past games, and um, what what's making this com kind of complicated is. Uh, there are a lot of uh, other factors playing there too. For example, the map factor. If there's a, if the map is two-player map and if it's a three or four-player map, then things can be different uh, when you when you want to identify on a strategy because not only um, the map size um, changes, but also things like um, your scouting mechan mechanism, the, the timing, uh, also can also play a role. So. So yes, I definitely appreciate uh, your tip, and uh, yeah, I think that's a very, very good, uh, good point that I, I should take a look at the uh, uh, Purple Waves uh, uh, system. Yeah, and you're really right that it depends greatly <laughs> on rush distance, a ton. <laughs> the difference in four pull timing between close positions on Python and Benzene is massive, <laughs> almost not even the same planet. Um, and what you should do, um, depending on that, varies greatly. Um, 
And on the larger maps, the scout path and what you see and when, um, you might misrecognize things depending on timing. So you have to take timing and map into consideration when we start talking, talking about build order recognition. Yeah, well, sort of for now, I'm kind of cheating on this because I'm using uh, matching numbers. But I think the long term, uh, I, I would hope that I can come up with some uh, regression model um, to just sort of uh, figuring out, for example, the, the relationship between rush distance and uh, full pool timing. Instead of uh, say, hey, on Python, I, if if he has uh, links before two minutes, then it's doing full pool. Uh, I, I mean, for now it's a band-aid solution, but in the long term, I hope you know um, some more sophisticated things can be can be done. Yeah, um, I think that <clears throat> there's something. There's another side of this too, which is a tool to. I thought that the best way to do this would be to create a tool. It would spit out the build orders of both sides of um, of a match and run it through you know fifty thousand replays on SSC AIT. <laughs> Count all the different categories of replays, put it out in the big database, and then um, use um, try and match that up with scouting info that's gained. Uh, so you have this huge database of information that you can pull from that would be effective. I thought that that would be a good way to do it, but I don't think anyone's done it that way yet. Yeah, that, that'll be the, the long-term goal. Um, and I also think there's there lacks a way to, uh, to really automate the replay analysis process. I mean, for now, uh, I, I'm not sure, but I think the majority of bot authors, they just, uh, doing they're they're doing the replay analysis by eyeballing the the replay themselves instead of uh, you know uh, using some image recognition algorithms or other tools to sort of automate this process or and make make it more sophisticated well uh locutus uses cherryviz yeah cherryviz is kind of the that second stage of replay analysis using a tool um and now that we, there's Locutus and also Sticks using it, um, along with, of course, Dragon and TSU's efforts, um, I think maybe that'll expand into more places uh, as a useful tool. Huh. I would love to have TSU on the podcast someday, but he's not uh, really uh, up to it for the moment. Or not up to it, that's uh, not what me. He is. Uh, he did not want to come on so far yeah i i would love to hear him talk to <laughs> reading his code is an exercise in how dumb i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he's quite talented anyway it's fun all right uh, one more question from john shasul that uh, do you guys think that we are going to see are we going to see a new cherry pie version eventually yeah i guess i can't really say much about that no <laughs> 
we can get into the why and all that, but that's really questions better asked to people that are, were previously on that team. So um, I don't expect that Facebook is continuing development. They have other bigger things to fry. And I think, I think it may be, I think that they had sort of assumed that Alpha Star would at this point be beating professional players. Um, and that it was just a money versus computational power problem. Um, however, it's proving harder for the Google Alpha Star development team than people had thought. They've claimed a lot of success, but really they haven't done that well versus professionals and higher level players on ladder, at least not yet. Oh yeah. And even they, are, they are talking about abandoning the project as well, Google is. So to me, um, you know, I think that perhaps the Facebook team thought that Google was gonna get 100% the way there, but Google's maybe only 85 or 90% of the way, way there and maybe walking away from the project. So maybe they might have abandoned the project a little early, but um, I'm not really in the know there, so that's just outside perspective. I think they can beat uh, on the ladder the 92% uh, of the players, which is impressive, but there is still the 8%, which is not negligible. So they didn't solve this game yet, far from it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, you know, it, Beating 92% of the players, it's extremely impressive. It's the vast majority of the players that play the game online, but it is not that higher echelon professional player section, um, and they have not solved the game. Right? Um, Especially that skill, player skill is not a linear uh, line. It's not linear, it's, it's more, of a, more of a curve. So uh, yeah, the best players they didn't beat yet. Yeah, and people often underestimate the jump from going from amateur to professional. Keep in mind that you know amateurs play, players play for fun in the evenings and on the weekends, and a professional player has a salary and has paid paid to play all day, every day. There's a massive difference in skill, um, even from a bottom level professional player to a high tier amateur. That jump is almost a gulf. So. Yep. I think I think this is also true when it comes to bots. Um, well, once again, speaking from my personal experience, uh, it feels like the jump from, uh, for example, the fifties or sixties to the top twenty, it's kind of easy when I now that I think about it. But uh, once you're in the top ten, and if you wanted to you know, go higher, for example, from from the eighth to sixth or even fourth, then it it takes considerably more um, more effort and more skills uh, or more code to to be able to do that. Uh, it's kind of a sort of a, a, an invisible line between sort of professional bots and the amateur bots. I'm, well, I'm sorry, I I shouldn't use amateur bots for those that are like below the tenth. But still, my point is that there's the gap between the really good bots and the um, you know, the rest is uh, kind of ginormous, uh, in my opinion. I agree with you. You know, the, 
the difference between a you know a, um, a top 20 bot and a bot that's in 50th is pretty huge but a dot the gap between a bot that's in fifth and like a get bot, bot that's in first is extreme <laughs> uh, the amount of software um, that's involved in code and customization and projects and work it's it gets pretty wild fast because um, you start to realize how creative those other top 10 top five people are um, and how hard their bots hit <laughs> and it, it starts to get nasty um, start to realize um, how much work that they put in to be where they're at and be as competitive as they are Okay, uh, with that, I think uh, we should just conclude the cast now. Uh, I basically haven't been bringing up any new topics for the last few, uh, last uh, few minutes. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we have come to the end. Do you maybe disagree? I'm all good. <laughs> it's just fun to chat, talk. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, anytime, and thanks for you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. All right. See you next time.